seeing is believing. Right? We say it, don't we? We say it, seeing is believing. I'll believe it when I see it. Right? We say it, I'll believe it when I see it. But in our passage this morning, as we go to John chapter 9, I want you to go there with me, John chapter 9, in our passage this morning, it's pretty clear that there can be a great deal of difference between seeing and really believing. Seeing, in fact, isn't necessarily believing. So what is the difference between seeing and really believing? Let's go to John 9, and we're going to begin in verse 35. We're going to see just that this morning as we return to our series in John's Gospel, chapter 9, where we find the account of the man born blind to whom Jesus gave sight. And beginning in verse 35, we find these words, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man, says Jesus. Verse 36, he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. Now, if you've been with us these last few weeks, you may recall that just prior to this, the man Jesus healed had been called before the Pharisees to be questioned about whether he really was the man born blind, questioned about how he'd received his sight, questioned about who had healed him. And you may also recall that after he'd pointed them to Jesus as the one who'd healed him and had refused to change his story like they wanted him to do, and after he suggested that what was more incredible than his receiving his sight, having never had it, but what was more incredible than his healing was their unbelief. <laughs> He's, it's incredible to me that you can see all the evidence, he says to them, and still be blind yourselves, in effect, is what he said, and that enraged them, and they threw him out of the synagogue, and being expelled from the synagogue was no small matter. I recently heard it described as something like losing your birth certificate, your driver's license, and your credit cards all in one day. Being removed from the synagogue was being removed from all business life. You couldn't do business. You couldn't buy and sell. Being removed from the synagogue was being removed from all social life. You were, you were cast aside as a social lowlife, and, and you were removed from any religious life of the synagogue. It's after this. It's after this that our text says in verse 35 that Jesus heard about what had happened. He heard about what they had done to him, throwing him out of the synagogue, and it says that Jesus found him. Now that is incredible, I think. Jesus went looking for this man. Jesus took great compassion on this man who had, like a man, (laughs) stood up to the Pharisees. And he paid the price, and he's paying the price for just simply knowing the man Jesus. 
He's paying the price for knowing of this man. But note that by the question Jesus poses, we can see he doesn't yet know Jesus as Savior and Lord, does he? Because he says, do you... What does he say? Look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? What a simple yet profound question. A very important question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Some translations have here Son of God. You may have it in your translation. We know that elsewhere Jesus referred to himself as the the Son of Man, so this isn't unusual. And the most reliable manuscripts have it this way, as it is here in the English Standard Version, Son of Man. Either way you have it in your translation, whether it's Son of God or Son of Man, it means the same thing. Do you believe in the Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as Messiah? Now, do you have friends that you'd like to see come to the Lord? You have friends, you have acquaintances, co-workers, maybe family members that you'd like to see uh, trust Christ? Here's a great question. You don't need to go any further than the question Jesus asked to, to, to kick the door wide open for conversation, right? Can you imagine yourself driving down the road with a friend and go, uh, do you believe in Jesus? Maybe some of you have done that before. That's a great question, question to ask. If you'd, if you'd like a great conversation starter, this is it. This is a great way to start a conversation with a friend that can really open the door for you to, to share the love of Christ with, to begin a gospel conversation with them. Simply ask your friend, do you believe in Jesus? How powerful. Think about it. You ask a question like that, you better be ready to answer some questions, right? Because your, your friend may just have some questions. Well, what do you mean? Believe in Jesus. I, of course I believe he lived. And you can say, well, that's not what I mean. A lot of people believe he lived. But do you believe in Jesus, the Savior, the one who died so that you wouldn't have to be punished for your sins. He took the punishment for your sins. Do you believe in that, Jesus? And if you can't answer those questions that uh, that your friend may come up with after asking a question like that, then you say, I'll find answers. Or you take them to someone who can help you with the answers. It's a great question. Now, it's what we see next where we learn the difference between seeing and truly believing. And we can see that this man is gaining something far greater than physical sight here. He's gaining as we go along through the passage here and progress, he's gaining spiritual sight. And here we see the difference between spiritual sight and spiritual blindness. Note, first of all, the first indicator of spiritual sight or truly believing in Jesus is a desire to know the truth about Christ. Here's a first indicator of spiritual sight, truly believing, a desire to know the truth about Christ. Verse 36, and he answered after the question, do you know, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? A desire to know the truth about Christ. The first indicator of spiritual sight, truly believing. This man wants to know. He seeks for the truth, doesn't he? And note that not only does he, does he want to know the truth, but he wants to believe. He wants to believe. Who is he, sir, that I may what? That I may get to know him better? <laughs> that I may know more about him? That I may go find him? No, he says, I want to believe in him. He doesn't just want to know more about this man of whom Jesus speaks. This is the first time he's actually seen Jesus. 
he knows because right you lose you lose your sight or you don't ever have your sight as this man didn't from birth didn't have his sight his senses were heightened right what do you think he recognized about Jesus when he saw him what do you think he recognized he recognized his voice right and he connects the voice and he says, that's the man that, that gave me sight. That's the man who put the mud on my eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, right? That's him. But he hasn't connected Jesus, this Jesus who'd healed him with the Messiah, the, the Son of Man. He hasn't made, quite made that connection yet. So he says to them, who is he that I may believe in him? Who is he, sir? That little word, sir, some of uh, your translations have Lord, but it's probably more appropriate to have the word sir here. It's uh, probably better translated that way because he doesn't truly yet recognize Jesus for who he is yet. Probably wasn't quite ready to call him Lord, but he was calling him sir. Jesus says to him, verse 37, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. What an incredible thing this had to be for this man who said, who is he? I want to believe in him. To have Jesus say, he's standing right here talking to you now. This man has never seen anything before Jesus found him and healed him, and now he sees, and it gets better. Jesus is giving him spiritual sight. He's revealing himself to him. He'd gone from begging to seeing to being thrown out of the synagogue. It's like a little roller coaster ride he's on, right? And now... And now, here's Jesus. It couldn't get better than this, than to hear Jesus say, I'm him. I'm him. You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Uh, wouldn't you have loved to see the guy's face? <laughs> I'd have loved to have seen his face. He's probably his jaw, like, dropped in amazement. Look at verse 38, and here's the second indicator of spiritual sight, of truly believing. It's, it's recognition of Jesus as the Christ, the Savior. What does he say in verse 38? He says, Lord, Lord, just that one word, Lord. He calls Jesus Lord. Remember earlier, it's more likely that in verse 36, he calls Jesus Sir, since he didn't yet know him as the Christ, but now he sees him for who he is. Here he calls Jesus Lord. And that's very appropriate here because note that here in verse 38 we see a third indicator of spiritual sight of truly believing, which is acknowledging belief in Christ. You recognize Jesus as the Christ, and then you acknowledge acknowledge belief in Christ. He says, Lord, in verse 38, I believe. True belief will acknowledge that belief to the Savior the man recognizes Jesus as Lord. He believes in Him as Lord, and he acknowledges that belief. Lord, I believe. And then a fourth indicator of spiritual sight of truly believing, it's worship of Christ. Also, verse 38, and he worshiped Him. Lord, I believe. And, and what, what's the natural outflow of belief should be? It should be worship, right? He worships Him. That is seeing, that is seeing that's really believing, isn't it? You say, I, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, this, this man was truly seeing now because he was truly believing because genuine faith in Christ should always lead to worship. 
It's a good indicator, a good a good wake-up call for you. If you're finding it hard to worship the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you find it hard to worship because God is gracious and we ought to be able to worship Him, if you find it hard to worship, you better check your heart. You may not be His child because a true child will worship, a true child of God will worship Him. That's what happens here. Lord, I believe. And then the natural outcome of that belief is worship. Genuine faith in Christ should always lead to worship. So here's what really believing looks like. Here's what true faith in Christ looks like. It's a desire to know the truth about Christ. It's recognition of Jesus as the Christ, the Savior. It's acknowledging belief in Christ, to Christ, and worship of Christ. Now what happens next? We go to verse 39. And what happens next in verse 39? We think it's a little later. We don't think that the Pharisees were, were here to witness this exchange between the man that was given his sight. But, but shortly thereafter, verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Now, this might confuse you if you're thinking back to the time we heard Jesus say earlier in our study that he had not come to condemn the world. You remember that? Chapter 3 and verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So if he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, why does he now say here in verse 39, For judgment I came into the world? It sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? But it's not. <laughs> it's true that in one sense, Jesus didn't come to judge. He didn't come to condemn. In one, in one sense, he did come to be what? We, we celebrated it this morning at the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table. He came to be the suffering servant. He became to be the Lamb of God. What? A sacrifice for our sins, right? So in one sense, he didn't come to judge he came to be the Lamb of God, the acceptable sacrifice for sin. But it's also true in another sense that Jesus' coming does bring judgment. Jesus' coming does bring judgment. How's that? Verse 39 says, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. See, here, here's... Here's what this means. The, the, Jesus came, and you see that phrase right at the beginning, for judgment I came into this world. Jesus came that those who do not see, that is, those who are spiritually lacking, those who know I'm missing something here, and I'm beginning to realize that I'm a, I'm a sinner, that those who, who do not see, those who are, who are trapped in sin are beginning to realize they're sinners and they need help. That those who, who are, are struggling in life and saying, you know what, I, I need help in, in my sin. I need to be rescued from myself. That they may see. Those who are realizing they are sinners, Jesus came that they may see. And that they may see Jesus as their only hope and trust in Him as Savior. So that, so that as Jesus comes, He says, I came so that those who are blind, those who are sinners, those who are trapped in sin might realize they're sinners and see. And be saved. Those who see, those 
Then he says, and those who see, look at the rest of the verse 39, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see. In other words, those who are, who are sinners and realize it, that they might have true sight and believe. Look at the rest of it. And those who see, and those who see may become blind. That seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Those who see may become blind. Jesus came that those who see, which means those who think they see, and we're going to see a clear illustration of that next, those who think they see, because there are people who say, oh no, I've got all the truth I need. Don't try to confuse me with your facts, okay? I don't need any more truth. I've got the truth. I'm, I'm worshiping my God. You worship your God. Those who think they see is the idea here. Those who see means those who think they see. They think they have everything all figured out. They don't want anybody telling them that they're sinners. Jesus came that they, and here's where the judgment comes in, because Jesus' coming does bring judgment for those who say, I've got everything I need. Don't, don't mess with me. Don't tell me that, that I need to hear the truth. They think they see. And Jesus come that those who think they see may become blind. They'd be blinded by the darkness of sin from the truth. And that, that, that's just what we see happening next as the Pharisees overhear Jesus and speak up. And this is where we see the opposite of the life-giving sight the man born blind received from Jesus. Remember, he, he not only received his vision, he received his spiritual vision. He received spiritual sight as Jesus talks to him and says, Do you believe? in the Son of Man, and he says, who is he? I want to believe. Show me so I can believe. You see, Jesus had performed this miracle in his life, and so he's now talking to him. He's like, you tell me, I'll believe. You show me where, I'll go. You, you show me the man, I'll believe in him. And Jesus says, it's me. And he says, I believe, and, and he begins to worship him. He's given spiritual sight. But verse 40, here's where seeing isn't believing. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? <laughs> After their earlier confrontations with Christ, they, they likely expected him to say, Yep, you are blind. But what Jesus says here is far more profound, and it reveals just how darkened by sin they really are. Look at verse 41. Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. If you were blind, Jesus says, if you really didn't know anything about your own sin, if you really didn't have any head knowledge of the truth, then you wouldn't be guilty of sin. If you were totally clueless, then you wouldn't be guilty of sin. But they weren't totally clueless, were they? They weren't guiltless. In fact, that's what Paul points to in the first three chapters of Romans. If you go back to and read in Romans in those first three chapters, you begin to find that's exactly what Paul points to, is that no one is without an excuse. No one is without an excuse. These men were, were they, they, had, they had every way given to them to know that they were sinners. They were scholars of the Old Testament. And they claimed to be proclaimers of the truth. They were not guiltless. In fact, you go back to Romans, the first three chapters, no one is without guilt, says Paul. There's plenty of evidence for all of us that we are sinners. It's evident. It's plain to us. It's revealed into our hearts by God 
is revealed around us. We know, I mean, you think about the world in which we live in. We, we live in a world that cries out for justice. And it's not a world that's ruled by God's justice, is it? Our human nature says, that's not right. We need to make it right. And so the truth is revealed that we are sinners. And so Jesus says in the last half of verse 41, but now that you say, we see. Now that you say, we see. Your guilt remains. That is exactly what he was pointing to earlier when he said, I came so that those who have sight, in other words, those who say they have sight, might become blind. And those I came that those who are blind, because they, they discover they're sinners and they need spiritual sight, they will see. These men would not. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. In other words, now that you reject the truth, I proclaim. Now that you proclaim to know. Now that you claim to obey the truth. When you don't, and you refuse to be corrected by the truth, you remain condemned in your sin. See, they, they had been told they were sinners. They had heard the truth that Jesus proclaimed. They had physical evidence in the man who'd been given his sight that Jesus is God in the flesh, and yet they refused to believe. And so seeing isn't always believing, is it? We could say that in their case, and maybe even in your case, seeing isn't even seeing. See, the difference between seeing and believing is the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Because you can have a head filled with knowledge like these Pharisees. You can even have a head filled with biblical knowledge, religious knowledge, and not have heart knowledge, not know Jesus, not repent of your sin and turn to Him in faith. We've seen it here in the Word this morning. It's one thing to have head knowledge. We ought not knock head knowledge. We need God's wisdom. But we ought not stop there. Head knowledge doesn't save. Only the heart that sees and believes is forgiven and saved. And what a contrast between merely seeing and truly believing what did the man born blind say? He said, who is he? He inquired. They said, he is not. He said, I believe. They said, we do not. He worshipped, right? They would not. He was saved. They were not. What was the difference? It's the difference between John 8:12 when Jesus said I am the light of the world whoever follows me in other words whoever believes in me and wholeheartedly commits himself to following me whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life and John 3:18 when he said whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, right? Whoever believes in me will have the light of life, but do not believe 
and you're condemned already because you've not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There were two miracles for the man born blind. He received his physical sight, he received his vision, yes, and he received his spiritual sight and received the light of life. Let's be like this man. Let's be like this man who not only sees, but really believes. Amen? Let's be like him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you did send your son Jesus Christ into this world to take on human flesh, to lower himself as God, to take on humanity and to live in this world amongst us. But how precious that Jesus lived without sin, sinless life, the only one capable of going to the cross to, be, to, to take the punishment, to take your wrath poured out on him for our sake. Oh Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Help us to look to the Lamb of God and believe. Father, I pray for those who, who, who are with us who, who have not believed. They're seeing, they're hearing, but they're not hearing and seeing to eternal life. They're not believing. God, help them to believe. Remove the veil of darkness. God, I pray, take your word and drive it deep into their soul so that they see and hear and believe the truth and believe in Jesus Christ and profess faith in Christ to the Lamb of God and, and to their brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I pray, draw sinners to yourself and, and draw your saints to yourself. Help us to honor and glorify you because we see and truly believe in the Son, the Son of God, who sacrificed for our sins. Help us to honor and glorify you with our obedience, with a life that, that's poured out for you and for your glory because of your Son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.